Good morning from me again. If you could get John 4 out in front of you or keep it in front of you, I'm going to be quite glued to the text today because it's quite a glorious text. I should have also said at the start, the reasons why I thought yesterday was brilliant, I think it was really good to serve our community. I think churches should do that. And I think we put smiles on a lot of people's faces and food in their stomachs. It got important literature into people's hands about the Lord Jesus Christ, which is important. It brought um, our church together and we worked like a well-oiled machine and it helped with Ukraine. The local shops brought amazing cakes for us and the library brought, it, brought us clotted cream and things like that. So all around it was a real good way to raise the profile of the, the church here. In Park End, an honor to serve our community in that way. If you have John 4 in front of you, um, the woman of Samaria, what a story. And it's written that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. Us here gathered, life with God this morning. So I'm going to sum up the woman of Samaria. You might disagree with me, and that's fine. We'll talk about it after, but I'm going to sum up her life. I think she had her priorities wrong, and then Jesus got her priorities right. I think that's it, and I think that's a message for us all. And I've told you this story before. This is a true story. There were once some jewelry robbers, and they broke into a jewelry store, and they took all the really expensive tags off the really expensive bits of jewelry and they put it on the cheap ones. And they put the cheap jewelry tags on the really expensive ones. Then they left the shop and came back the next day when it was open and they just watched people buy really expensive jewelry for really cheap and really cheap jewelry for really expensive tag, money, expensive, what's the word? Cost. Anyway, and... Um, we digress on the word there, but the point of the story is the values were swapped and that which was very valuable became very unvaluable and vice versa. And Jesus arrives with this lady who seemingly has put all of her hopes in life on something not very valuable. And it seems to be men. We're not that great, if you haven't noticed. And she meets Jesus and the tags, the tag, who's nodding? Yeah, all right. And the tags swap, and she ends up in the story living for something much more valuable than she was before, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. Incidentally, most people don't put a very valuable tag on him, but she comes to see that he is of infinite worth. And that's the story. The, the values get swapped for a woman who has her priorities wrong. And I'm just going to walk us through it so we can all see how wonderful the Lord Jesus is and how he deals with people like us who always get our priorities wrong. So, if you have John 4 open, verses 1 to 3, Jesus, he, he doesn't run away from the Pharisees, but it looks like he does. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was around, and then verse 3 says, and so he left. He just left the area where the Pharisees were. You might be thinking, well, is he scared of people, Jesus? I don't think that's why he left the area. Um, because John chapter 3 says he holds everything in his hands anyway. And John chapter 10 says no one's going to take his life unless he lays it down himself. He's not scared of the people who hate him. The reason he leaves is because he wants to meet someone who's in a right mess. Um, 
He has people to see and things to do. So he leaves the area to go by divine appointment out of his way to go and meet a lady who's in a mess. And that's wonderful. I love that. Yeah, finish this. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in the world, she walks into mine. That's from Casablanca. And the woman of Samaria, well, Jesus leaves what he's doing, baptizing, because, well, he's not going into a gin joint, but he's going around the long way to meet a lady. And she'll end up saying, wow, all the people that walked into my life, it was him. And she go, he goes out of his way for a woman. It's quite a simple story this morning. A Samaritan woman. Here's verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. He had to. It wasn't even on his way. But he just had to go. And then verse 7 says, A Samaritan woman came up to him. So he, it's not really on his journey, but he goes there because he wants to save her life. Welcome to Park End Church. Or tuning in at home, Jesus wants to save your life, your soul, your body, your mind, everything. He wants to work it to the glorious world to come without sin and death and decay. Welcome of all the gin joints. You ended up in Park End gin joint to hear about the Lord Jesus this morning. It's literally divine appointment. And, and then a story unfolds about this lady. And the jury's out on how to read these messages, but you're going to, the passage, but I'm going to give the Owen understanding. And uh, that's why I want us to see it for ourselves. Am I right? Here's a summary. I think she's stuck in sin. We all are. I think she's probably really tired. Some of us are. I think she's probably feeling guilty. If you followed the story when we read through it, she probably at times wishes she could start her life over again. Do you get that vibe from her? She probably has been abused by at least a handful of these husbands because they did that and we still do that today. I wouldn't be surprised if occasionally she was a bit of a user herself. I don't know. I doubt she's entirely innocent in the story of her life. Very few of us are. She's been with five men for some reason or another. We don't really know. Now she's on her sixth. She's probably looking for ultimate joy in the bedroom. Loads of people do that. They still do that today. The, the lie of the God of sex is so tantalizing, never delivers. Just doesn't. Always a lie. She probably wanted a cleaner, better life, but like all of us, just went headlong into a right mess. That's my summary of the verses. And Jesus knows all of that, and He still goes out of His way to go and meet her. That's the living God. And something interesting happens. There's loads of obstacles in the way of Jesus meeting this lady. Loads. But he sort of hops through them all to get her anyway. Here are some obstacles. Verses 6 to 9. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. When a Samaritan woman came to drink the water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone to get some food. The Samaritan lady said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Those things are called boundaries. Here's a history lesson. In the Old Testament, there was a country called Israel. And then they sort of messed everything up and it got split into two. A top half and a bottom half. And... Um, the top half got attacked by a group called the Assyrians, and they got whisked away. And, uh, but some of them stayed, 
And what they did, they fell in love. This was like God's people, the Jews, but they fell in love with the Assyrians who had conquered them, the ones that stayed back. What do you do when you fall in love? You get married and you have children sometimes. And what happened was, these children were like sort of Jewish and sort of Sumerian, Samaritan, because like they'd adopted some of the principles of Assyria and they had a bit of their own stuff. Am I cackling here? Is something going wrong? Not my voice. The, um, yeah. Okay, leave it. Um, and what happened is, then they have like a half interbred mishmash of the Assyrian culture and a bit of the Bible and a bit of Moses. And these were the Samaritans. Okay? That was about 722 BC when the Assyrians conquered the top bit. What also happened was, with the bottom bit, they sort of stopped following God, so the Babylonians came in and take them away. Right? Then what happened was, the Babylonians ended, and so God's people came back to the south, and they looked up to the north, and they were like, what are you doing up there? What are you doing? We're the pure ones, keeping God's word down here, and you lot have been interbreeding with the Assyrians. You Samaritans, you're not proper. We don't like you anymore. So the Jews down the south were like, we're the pure ones. You've messed everything up. We don't like you. You are political rebels, racial half-breeds, and religiously tainted traitors. And that's the history of the Jews and the Samaritans. Still going on when we get to John chapter 4. So by race, ethics, politics, and religion... Jesus was not supposed to come into contact with this woman. Never the twain doth meet. Um, but he does. Because he loves her. He doesn't, he's not worried. Uh, by the way, uh, in my last church, there was a, a British lady who married an American man. And she was white. And he was black. And she would tell us that when they were going out in the 1960s in America, they still had separate water fountains. Um, for the whites and the blacks. And then they got married right late as the late 1960s and 70s. And the absolute abuse that they got from society in America, even that late on, the world was watching and disapproving of that, um, of that marriage. Like, it's happening here at this well. The world's going, what are you two doing talking to each other? What's Jesus doing? But Jesus does it anyway. He does it anyway, because he loves to find people who are in a right mess, in the pits. And, and I don't know if you're in a right mess. I know that we, like, we look like we're not, because we're from King Coyd and we dress up nice. But you might well be in a complete mess that you're pretending behind the facade of Western, you know, nice clothes and things like that. You might well be in the pits. You might be, probably, maybe. And Jesus knows that. And there is no boundary for the Lord to find His people in the pits. And there are boundaries even now today between us and God. Our race, as there's races in this chapter, our race isn't really heaven, it's earth. We love earth. Naturally, we don't really like heaven. That's sinful. That's a boundary. Jesus conquers that. Still comes and saves us. Our creed by nature isn't, oh God, we just love you. How can we serve you? Our creed by nature is like, me. I want to be my own God. That's a real boundary for the Lord to have to conquer. Our religion, self. Me. Me first. If it makes me happy, I'll do it. Who cares what God wants? I want to do it. It makes me happy. That's us. 
Um, I remember my friend saying, uh, this is called an iPhone, not a U-phone, it's an iPhone. <laughs> See, it's written into our fabric. Our creed of life is like me. It's just me. Uh, you, you take a selfie. You don't take a U-E. Take a selfie. It's all about me. That's our creed by nature. You see that everywhere. That's why we're always in a bit of a mess. So it's like God is there, but we're like, get lost. No way. No thank you. Then we blame him when our coffee machine breaks or it rains on our wedding day or we break a leg or our car crashes. We'll blame you, but we don't like to serve you. That's pretty much the human creed. And that's a real barrier. But... Jesus still scales all that stuff to come and find people and to show us how wonderful he is and to save us. When you meet a real Christian, they're like, the he owes me attitude. It's it's just gone because we realize how much he's done for us all the days of our lives. He saves us. So picture it, ladies and gentlemen. He sits and drinks at the same well as a Samaritan woman in public Everyone's watching, and he asks, can I have a drink? And the Greek best translates, Jews don't use together with Samaritans. It's like full-on quite abrupt. And so, a conversation breaks out. Look at at this. Verse 10. Jesus um, answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So Jesus says, hey, you should be asking me for living water. All right? He's getting spiritual. She replies, well, she hasn't quite got it yet. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. How can I get this living water? So she's a bit confused. Jesus is like, I'm here to save your life. And he's like metaphoricalizing everything. That's not a word. And he's like, okay, you need living water. She's like, okay, where do I get a bucket to get the living water? That, that's not quite where he's going. He, she thinks she needs a bucket. And Jesus, he's all right with that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's okay to be confused with God. He's very patient. Just tell him your worries this morning if you're worried. If you've got questions, just ask him. But still come. Come and ask him. But she is intrigued. Here's verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? Who are you? And um, she wants to know, is he big time? And his answer in 13 and 14 is, yes, I'm big time. And you come to me for eternal life. I am the one you need. So he basically says this, Parken. Come to me for life. Don't just exist. Don't do that stuff. Life. Real, ultimate satisfaction. Your purpose. Salvation. I am he. Don't look to the bedroom Don't look to sin, don't look to drugs, don't look to money, don't look to prettiness or whatever it is, health. I am the one that you need. And does she get it? No, not really. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to the well to drink the water. She still thinks she needs a bucket. I mean, I'm watching Star Wars at the moment with Rita. Honestly, every episode, she says, she says, which one's Obi-Wan? I say, Rita's the same guy as yesterday. And he'll be the same guy tomorrow when we watch it. Well, the green one, no, that's Yoda. And he was Yoda yesterday when you asked. 
and he'll be Yoda tomorrow when you ask me again. And I say, I can't do this anymore, reader. I can't keep explaining who Obi-Wan is in Star Wars. And here's a lady. She still thinks she needs a bucket to get eternal life from Jesus. So she doesn't have to like, carry the water back and forth. And uh, I still meet people in church that just don't get it. And they say to me, Owen, I'm too bad to come to your church. I'm like, that is who church is for. We're not a goody-goody club here learning how to behave. You need to get it. I met a lady this week. She said, I'm too bad to go to church. I'm like, no, stop missing the point. And I, I say things I can't do anymore. Jesus doesn't do that with people who don't quite get it. So in order for her to get it, he's a lot more patient than me. And he starts to just pick her apart a bit so she gets what he's on about and why he has come. Just so we don't miss the point. That's why this is written. And he doesn't want us to miss the point this morning either of church. Do not miss the point of this morning's meeting. I read a story not long ago. It was about a man. And he kept walking into a factory like a B&Q thing and piling up like a wheelbarrow with bit massive bags. And then he'd walk out the shop every day with loads of bags. And the security guard was watching this guy quite suspiciously go past him every day with loads of bags stacked high. And so on like day three or four, the security guard said, what, what, what is in the bags? And he opened it up. It was wood chippings. He goes, are you stealing wood chippings? He goes, no, I've been stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> and the point of the story was in the magazine that the guy missed the point. He thought it was about the wood chippings. It's about the wheelbarrows. But the point for us and this lady in the story is, well, I'm going to say no. In order for her to get it, that we all need Jesus, that's what we're made for. And we'll never be truly alive or satisfied until we get him. Don't miss the point of church or these meetings or anything we do. And in order for her to get it, here's where it gets really interesting. He starts to get a bit personal and awkward with her. Because that's what Jesus does sometimes. He gets personal and awkward with us. But he does it because he loves us. And we enter a passage now as we sort of come to the end. And it's called, by clever people, the hear, hear passage. The hear, hear passage. And it shows off Jesus wonderfully. But the problem is, in this version of the Bible, it doesn't even say the word hear. So I'm moving to another version of the Bible, which I've got down here, which captures the Greek more accurately in this instance. Right? Verse 15, note, in order to win her over, stay with me, look at the word, uh, listen to the word here in this passage. The woman said unto Jesus, Sir, give me this water, so I need not come here to draw. You follow that? I don't want to come to this well anymore in front of everybody. They're all looking at me because they know my history. They're all talking about me. Please don't make me come here. And Jesus does something very clever. He runs with that word here because he knows that's what she's really worried about. Facing people. Being talked about. Her whole life is in a mess. And people are gossiping about her. What do they think about it? And what does Jesus do in verse 16? Jesus said, Hey, go call your husband. And both of you come here. 
And that's the hear, hear passage. And that is the thing that this whole passage swivels on. Jesus is basically said, oh, go get your husband. Yeah, no, both of you stand here right in front of me and be proud together. Show off your amazing, happy life in front of me. And he's drawing her out on her most feared issue, the point of shame. But he's doing it softly to win her over. And he let her nose that he knows. I'll go back to the other Bible here because I finished with the here, here passage. Here's verse 17 and 18. She said, I have no husband. He's like, yep, you're right. Yep, you are right when you say that. In fact, you've had five, and the one that you're living with now is not even your husband. And he lets her know that he knows the point of absolute shame in her life. Whatever's happened, it's gone wrong. Maybe she's depressed over it. Maybe she's embarrassed. It's certainly the reason that she's not close to God at the moment. Something's gone on. And Jesus lines her up to say, I know, and I want you to know, that I know everything about you. Everything. And I'm still here. I'm still here. You're like, this is terrible. I don't want God to know all my secrets, all my bad stuff. Yes, you do. Because in this passage, he speaks to her so tenderly. It's just between her and him. He's got no desire to humiliate her. He's gaining her trust and he's making her know what I am offering you is going to satisfy you right there. That's what this water means. I will speak peace in your most shamed moments and parts. God is saying, give it all to me. Give it to me. I'll have that. I'm not on about try to be well behaved in front of me. My way is give me your sin. Bring it to me. Give it to me. Give me your worries. This is what I do. I've gone out my way to let you know this. And it hurts, but it's always worth it. Bring him your sin. Let me tell you a funny story as we wrap this up. I went to visit somebody in hospital linked to this church this week. And I was talking to her. And then the lady next to her says, she's looking straight at me. She goes, did you say Park End Church? I said, yeah. She goes, she's looking straight at me. She goes, I know the minister there. I'm thinking, are you, sh- are you sure? She goes, I know Owen Batstone very well. I was thinking, I'm not sure you know him as well as you might think, but we'll see where this goes. She goes, let me tell you something about Owen Batstone. I said, okay. She goes, he was a very, very bad man. I think, well, that's true. And he goes, she goes, then the Lord saved him. Now he's a minister at Parkett. He's a unique man. She said, but he's a minister, a Park End church. The Lord changed his life. And I'm like, I'll tell him. I'll tell him that I've met you. She summed up my life. A very bad man who in 2004 gave his sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every day gives his sins and failings to the Lord Jesus Christ. What does he do? He says, give them to me. Give them to me and we'll keep walking together on this road until we all get to heaven together. And she tries to wriggle out. She's like, yeah, I haven't got a husband. He's like, I know you haven't got a husband. You've had five and the one you're with not. Stop wriggling out. I know it all. He knows it all. And then the story ends wonderfully by her going, you are a prophet. And he's won her. He's got her. And he has her forevermore. She sees, ladies and gentlemen, 
that nothing satisfies other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Men, they, we don't do it. You can move from hobby to hobby, person to person, child to child, um, education to education, job to job, but there is this God-shaped hole that only one can fill, and his name is Jesus. And then she does, as we close, what all people do who love Jesus. In verse 29, she starts telling people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She tells her friends in verse 39, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. And then in 42 it says, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we know him for ourselves. And the message of the gospel goes out to everybody. Thanksgiving is good, but thanks living is better. And this passage challenges us all to come to Jesus this morning walk with him, tell others about him. And if you are absolutely rubbish at telling everybody the message of Jesus, like I am, but the world needs to know it more than ever, and you're like, how am I going to do that? Well, we've got to be a bit like her. Um, I'm rubbish at talking about Jesus. One of the best things you can ever say to a friend, and I've said this before, is would you like to come to church with me? So let's try that this week. Another amazing thing you can do to share your faith in an unobtrusive way is, can I tell you how my faith helped me in a situation I've been going through? Brilliant ways to start telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I see that you are a prophet. And we, Park End, are gathered here today to say thank you, Jesus, for knowing everything about me and leading me all the way home. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Let's never forget that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.